Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. In fact, before you sit down, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. You can be seated this morning. We appreciate all of you being here today. What a wonderful presence of the Lord as we begin to worship God. And just uh, just since uh, God's going to do something great this morning, and I just want to just believe God for some good things. We have started a new series uh, this month called Made for More. How many believe that you are made for more? That God made you for more. And what we're doing is kind of bringing clarity uh, to vision for our church and as an individual. Uh, last week I talked about facing the future with faith versus fear. That God wants us to face the future with faith and not with fear. And this morning I want to talk about starting new or a new start and I believe that'll help us that we will start new how many want to start new a new year start new right and I think it's really going to help us here but I'm going to read kind of our theme scripture in Proverbs 29 18 and most of us know the scripture where there is no vision the people perish or where there is no vision people scatter so let's pray as we dive into this message today. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the grace of God. I thank you that your word is powerful, that your word is relevant in 2024, that it applies to our lives today. Open our hearts, our minds, God, to receive what you have for us. We pray, God, remove every distraction. Help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. Pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and God, let the people hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. Come on, give God a big praise today. I remember that in high school when uh, the teacher would say, I need your 100% undivided attention. And there I was talking all the time. I actually got an AEU, believe it or not. I got an A in the class. But you would just, I just kept talking all the time. Come on, don't act holy out there. I got, I got a couple of youths for always talking. I guess, I guess I was made to talk, I guess, at some point. And here I am talking again. Hallelujah. But uh, I was thinking about uh, last week I talked about babies and how beautiful babies are. But if you're, not, uh, if you're not careful, you would think that babies, all they're made for in the beginning is they eat, sleep, cry, and poop, right? But we know that babies have a great destiny, just like you and I have. And so God's created us to be a people of destiny and a people of, fut- of the future. And this is why we are made for more. And so I want to talk about that God is the God of beginnings. He's the God of starting new. He is the God uh, that specializes in giving people a new start, even a fresh start. Uh, Zechariah, I'm going to read Zechariah 10.6, and I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible, kind of a modern translation, but I liked what it says. It says, God says, I'll save the people of Joseph. He says, I know their pain, and I'll make them as good as new. They'll get a fresh start as if nothing ever happened. Why? Because I am their God, 
and I'll do what needs to be done for them. Is that not an incredible promise of God? He said, I'll do what needs to be done. I'm going to help you start fresh. I'm going to help you start new. And I believe that's what God is declaring to people today, especially as we started this new year, that reality is you can start new. There are things in our lives today that sometimes we think that we can't start new, that uh, it's kind of a, a, a blocking us or hindering us uh, from starting new. In fact, another, ver- another translation or another verse, Hosea 14.5 said in the message, I will make a fresh start with Israel. They will burst into bloom like a cro- crocus in, in the spring. In other words, this is a flower that blossoms like a new beauty. Uh, a new beauty begins to come out of this, uh, this particular flower. And God is saying, this is exactly what I want. So if we're honest, many of us have experienced some setbacks. We have experienced some failures in our lives. We have made some mistakes. But here's the problem. We allow ourselves to be enslaved by the past. Somebody say amen. Amen. Last year, when you started 2023, how many of you said, man, I'm going to grow more. I'm going to read the Bible more. I'm, I'm going to love more people. I'm going to get more involved. I'm going to spend quality time with my family. Don't raise your hand, but how many failed? And you say, man, you know, I can't do it. I tried it. I, I want to tell you, you can start new, okay? And I like what Isaiah 43, 18 today. I got a lot of scripture because I want to back up what I'm saying. It says, forget about what has happened before. Do not think about the past. Instead, look at the new I'm going to do new things in your life. How many believe that today? And so we, we need to close the books. We need to look at 2023 because that's over. And God is saying he's interested or he's saying he's pointing you to the future, not to the past. And that's the kind of God that we serve. He always points us to the future and to the new and not to the past because all of us today, we have failed. We've made mistakes. We've done some things that we probably regret. In fact, Psalm 145 said in the Message Bible, God gives us a hand to those who are, he gives a hand to those who are down on their luck and gives a fresh start to those who are ready to quit. How many have felt like being ready to throw in the towel? You've been ready to, to quit. So I've taken this formula, okay, start. I've gotten the word start. And what I've done with this word is I've come up with an acrostic of each letter in the word start. And so the first letter, S, stands for stop making excuses. The letter S in in start means stop making excuses. Because all of us have probably had some kind of financial failure. We probably had some kind of marital failure, maybe a job failure, maybe even a moral failure, maybe even as a parent, you have felt like a failure. And so what I want to tell you today is we have to stop, stop making excuses because I believe the barrier to God using us and uh, doing more for God is we make a lot of excuses. And I, would, I believe the number one excuse is I don't have what it takes. You can write that down. We say that all the time. I don't have what it takes. 
Don't raise your hand, but you probably said that. I don't have what it takes, man. You know, you, you have these dreams, you have these goals, but then you look at yourself and say, I don't really have what it takes. You know, Moses said the same thing. He made excuses, and God says, I'm with you. But I, I love this story here in the book of Judges. There's a guy by the name of Gideon. And he's there hiding out. He's hiding uh, wheat in the wine press. He's hiding from the enemy. And I'll just give you a little bit of background. The angel of God shows up and says, you mighty man of valor or you great warrior. And Gideon says, who are you talking about? Man, you're not, not me, right? And he says, he says, you're a mighty man of warrior, or you're, 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 you're a mighty warrior, he said. You're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon begins to make an excuse. And this is what he says in Judges chapter 6. I love what it says here. Uh, it said, but, but Lord, how can I save Israel? I belong to Manasseh, the smallest tribe. He goes, so we're the smallest tribe. And my family is the weakest and poorest in that tribe. And I am the youngest and the least important person in my family. So he goes, I am the bottom of the bottom. You ever felt like the bottom of the barrel? He goes, I've hit rock bottom and I started to dig. Have you ever been there? I mean, this is how bad he is. And he says, I don't have what it takes. And God tells him, I'm with you. Here's what I want to say to you. When God's with you, you don't need anything else. What he's saying, my power is with you, my presence is with you, my promises are with you, and my protection is with you. Think about it this way. One plus God is the majority. Am I right? And here's the second excuse that we say many times when we, we, we make excuses. Again, I talked about if I failed in the past. I failed in the past. Welcome to the human race, right? We all have had some failures in our lives. All of us have made a mistake. And here's the honest truth. We are byproducts of our past. We are a product or we've been shaped by things in our past. Now, we could become a victim of our past or we can say, you know what? I'm going to look ahead of what God has for me. <laughs> See, here, here's the real issue is a lot of us today, we say, well, you know, my past and all these things have happened in my life and all of us have been scarred by, by our past. All of us have, something has happened. And here's, here's the real thing is none of us have control. Am I right? None of us have control. We can't control what happens. In fact, I'll read Isaiah 43 and I'll read it in the TEV version. It said, the Lord said, do not cling to the events of the past. He said, do not dwell on what happened long ago. Watch for the new thing I'm going to do. It's happening already. Just look. You can see that it's starting right now. So, so we all have failed, but failure is an event, not a person. So all of us at some point have failed. We've made mistakes. All of us have. In fact, Proverbs 28, 13 says, a man who refuses to admit mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses them and forsakes them, he gets another chance. That's what I'm talking about. And here's our third excuse when we say, I can't control everything in my life. And like I told you, we can't control everything. There are things that are beyond our control. How many of you, can, you can't control the weather? You can't control what's going to happen tomorrow. You can't control the economy. For you political people, you can't control the election, all right? 
You can't control other people. There are factors that you just cannot control. And so you have to realize today that there are things in your life that are uncontrollable. You can't control. And in the middle of those circumstances, in the middle of all of that's happening, God is still in control. And you have to trust God. But here's the thing. You can control the controllables. What is that? You can control your attitude. You can control your response. You can control how you listen to others and listen well. You control how you treat others. You can control how you keep trying. Can, can you say, man, we've got to keep trying. Proverbs 24.10 says, don't give up and act helpless in a time of trouble. You can control that. And the fourth one, listen to me, is I don't know what the future holds. We're always waiting for like the perfect circumstances to finally make a move. In fact, Ecclesiastics 11.4 says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. We're always waiting for the perfect condition, for the perfect moment. And I'm just here to tell you, you don't have no control over that. You, you, you need to make a move or you're never going to do anything. And I believe this, if we seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, everything's added onto us. If we seek God, God will help us. Here's the T and start. Take an inventory or make an evaluation of your life. That's what the T stands for in start. Take an evaluation. Look at your life. And, and look at your experiences. Look at what's happened in your life. Sometimes you need to just sit down and take an evaluation. Take an inventory of what's going on in your life. In fact, Galatians 3, 4 says, you've experienced so many things. Were all those experiences wasted? I hope not. That's what he says. So you need to pay attention to the hurts, the pains in your life. You've heard me say this. Don't waste the pain. Don't waste the hurt. What do I mean by that? What I mean is don't, don't look at your pain and your hurts and say everything's unfair. Have you realized that life is unfair? But you can learn from your pain. You can learn from your hurts. Now, I'm not belittling the pain that you've experienced. And I'm not belittling what's happened in your life. What I'm saying is there are ways that you can capitalize from your experiences. You can learn from your experiences instead of rehearsing them, regretting them. You can actually learn from them. Did you know that some of the greatest inventions were learned when people just kept trying and they kept doing it over and trying to make it better and they learned from their mistakes I read this, and it said Thomas Edison took him 10,000 attempts to, perf to perfect the light bulb. 10,000. I, I would have stopped at least 10. 10,000. I mean, this guy kept trying and trying, you know. Walt Disney was fired from a newspaper job because he lacked creativity. Would you believe that? Had he stopped? You know, the pain of being rejected, the pain. But he learned from that. Michael Jordan, you guys heard this. He was cut from his high school basketball team. That coach must have regretted that, man. I mean, cut the guy. But then the next year, the next couple of years, he came back. He learned from his mistakes. So you determine if your failure is going to be a friend or is it going to be a foe. In other words, is it going to be your friend or your enemy? 
And you've heard me say this before. There's a book that really helped me years ago, probably 20 years ago or 25 years ago. It was a book called Failing Forward. In other words, learning from your failure. A lot of people fail backwards, but there's a way that you can fail forward. In other words, failure becomes an education. Some of us are highly educated. Can you say amen? We are highly educated when it comes to failure, man. We have learned some things. And here's what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.14. You should continue following the teachings you learn. You know they're true because you trust those who taught you. So you need to look at what you have, not what you lost. You need to look at the freedom that you have. Think about this. Look at your life. Taking an inventory. Say, man, I've got a sound mind. Amen. Amen. Most of us here, you have a sound mind. Uh, you're, 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 you're healthy, you know, fairly healthy. You're walking around. You're, you got some freedom. You have a good church. Amen. You got a good church family. Amen. And so you need to look at what you have. And then and maybe connect with someone that's wise, someone that can help you. There's probably some people here that can give you some good advice. You can probably get a good support system if you connect with the right people. In fact, Proverbs 15, 22 says, get all the advice you can and you'll succeed. Without it, you're going to fail. Common reason why people never reach their goals, they never succeed in life, is because they don't listen to what others have to say. You know, I, I think that, that'll be the best thing that you could do in the new year. Learn how to listen. Listen to the right people. Not everything YouTube tells you and Google tells you, but listen to the right people that, that can back up what they're saying, that have credibility in your life, that you can, you can count on and listen to their advice. I, I believe what happens many times with people is the reason why they don't listen is because their pride gets in the way. Pride is destructive. You don't know everything. In fact, I've said this before. There are some people in here that, more, that know more about things than you do on certain subjects. And you'll be surprised. I'm surprised sometimes. They go, oh, yeah, this person knows this. I go, really? Wow. And they, uh, you know, sometimes you just don't judge a book by its cover, right? You said, wow, you know, this person is really into this. They understand all of these different things. So think about that and don't look at what you lost. Listen to what others have to say. And I'll tell you, take an inventory and that'll help you. Somebody say amen. And A, this is the big one right here. A is act in faith. We've got to start acting in faith. We've got to take action and put some faith. God is on the move. And I've learned this, that God listens or he pays attention to faith more than complaints. If we're not careful, we're complaining all the time, but we're not moving in faith. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, it will be done. Now, how do you know that you're acting in faith? How do you know this is a step of faith when you can't do it by yourself? You need God's help. I can tell you that. This church, I knew I couldn't do it by myself. It's an act of faith. Hallelujah. Most of you know I was 24 years old when I came to Paramount. I'm just a young guy. I'm still kind of young, but I was 24. And I, I just remember, you know, how young I was. I, 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 I was an act of faith. I'm just going to believe God. And God, you know, sometimes acting in faith will scare you a little bit because it's bigger than what you, you can handle on your own. 
And if you have a goal in your life, it better involve God. Make sure that you put God first. Now, I believe all of us need to have some goals, especially as we're talking about God made us for more, and I'm talking about starting new. All of us should have some degree of goals in our life. What do we want to accomplish? What do we want to get done? How do I want to better myself? A couple of things I've learned about goals. I, I believe goals are not just... You know, you lock in on a certain goal, but sometimes we need to have goals based on scenarios. In other words, if this happens, I'll do this. If this doesn't happen, for instance, if you say, well, if I get this promotion, this is what I'll do. If I don't get this promotion, then this is, this is the second thing I'll do. I'll apply for this job. If I don't get it, I'll apply for that one. If I don't get it, then I'll pivot this way. Are you hearing me? So don't get so locked in, well, oh, you know, it didn't happen, so forget it. You got, you got to have some scenario goals. What, what am I going to get done? And if this doesn't happen, then I need to switch over here. I need to pivot another direction. I need to go this direction. If I get this done, then I can pay this off. I can pay this credit card down. Somebody say amen. You know, I could sell this and buy that. If I'm able to sell this, I can buy this other thing here. All of those goals. But I also believe one of the greatest goals is not what you can buy, what you can purchase, but I believe one of the greatest goals is character goals. How can God help you in your character? Wow, it got quiet out there. God, what do you want me to be? What kind of person do you want me to be by the end of the year? Do you have character goals? Man, I need to be a little bit more loving to people this year. I need to be more reliable. I need to stop lying. I need to be more honest. How about this one? I need to be obedient. You know, if you just obey God's word, it'll change your whole life. I mean, really. The Bible says, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer. I mean, coming to the church is great. I'm glad you listen. But if you don't start applying it, it's not going to do anything for you. You know, people come all the time and say, Pastor, I've been coming to church, I've been listening, and I've been reading. Okay, but have you been obeying? Amen. Have you been obeying God's word? I mean, that, that's called character. It changes your life. Character changes. And so I believe God wants to change your character. He wants to change who you are. Do you have any goals about your character? What kind of person you are? Stop being so fearful. Stop being so mad. Stop being so angry. Have a better attitude. All of those things need to change. Get a better perspective. All right. Hebrews 11.6. <clears throat> I'm going to read the scripture here. I'm going to have a cup of tea just on what I just said here. <laughs> it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So I believe today that we need to have faith. We need to act in faith. We need to operate in faith. Now I have this box right here. And uh, I had them bring this box up. Just a regular box, okay? I'm not doing a trick, so I want to make sure this is just a box. How many believe that this phone could fit in this box? Yes. Again, it's not a trick. I'm just being honest. Can this phone fit in the box? <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> we could fit that phone 
in this box. No problem. Am I right? I mean, it doesn't take a lot of faith to believe that. I mean, you just look at the side of the box and you see the phone. You can shut it in there and you're done. I mean, that's, a, that's pretty good. But what if I told you I want to get this table in this box? Can I get this table in this box? Really? No, no, no. We can't do it. Even if I took this table apart, am I right? Even if I took this table apart, I would not be able to get into this box. Am I correct? We could take it all apart, do everything we can. There is just no way that we would be able to get this table inside this box. Why? Because the box is too small. Right? It's not big enough to fit this table in there. Am I right? What we often do with our goals is our goals are really box size. And just like that phone, once we, once we accomplish it, we just put it in a little box and that's it. Can I tell you, God wants us to think outside the box. Somebody say amen. He wants your goals to be bigger than just, just box. He wants their goals today to think outside the box and begin to act. In other words, God has more for you. You've been created for more. God can use you in a greater way than ever before. Somebody say amen. So here's what I want to do. Somebody bring this chair up here. I'm, I'm thinking outside the box. Is that all right? So about a month ago, I, I, I thought outside the box. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a step of faith here. There you go. Now, why don't you put it on this side? There you go. Everybody see this chair? Isn't this a nice chair? Well, I'm going to sit on it right here. Now, here's, here's, what I, here's what I begin to realize. The chair that you're sitting on, these bait chairs, they're 18 years old. Those moth chairs in the back, because we have different color chairs here, those are 25 years old. And then we got folding chairs. So this is what happened. 18 years ago, we bought these base chairs, and we only bought 200 of them because we didn't realize that our church was going to grow so big. And then we bought these moth chairs. We bought them used because we wanted to buy a deal. And so now we've got those. And then we realized we don't have enough moth chairs. So now we got some folding chairs. Some of you guys are sitting over there in the corner. Yeah, over there. God bless you guys. Thank you guys for coming. Those are troopers over there. Those chairs are hard, man. But, but you guys are doing it. Thank you. Thank you. But here, here's the thing I, I want to kind of challenge you on today. The base chairs right there, how much do how much you think they cost, those chairs right there, about 18 years ago? Yeah, about 60 bucks, about $60. 50, 60 bucks when you add tax and put all this. This chair, this is a brand new chair right here. How much you guys think this chair costs? This is now, 18 years later, how much you think this chair costs right here? It, it's $100. It's $100. It's 100 bucks. And I realize that our chairs, uh, we need some new chairs. Can we think outside the box? Some chairs that are uniform that can, that can go throughout the whole congregation. So we need 300 of these chairs. Can I challenge you? We've already put a deposit on these chairs. So if you're a visitor here, I don't do this every week, but I want to challenge this church. There's 300 of these chairs. We've already put a deposit. 300 chairs at 100 bucks is what? $30,000, $30,000. So uh, these chairs, I've already called the, some churches in Ensenada. We're going to give these chairs away to these churches in Ensenada. 
I acted in faith, and I've already put a deposit down. These chairs are going to be here February 2nd. Okay, they're going to be here. Not this particular color. In fact, I want someone to come up here and sit on this chair so you can see the difference. Somebody just come on up. Anybody. There you go. Sit here, Edgar. Tell, tell him. It's much better. Very comfortable. It's a lot more comfortable? Really comfortable. You feel it. A lot more firm? Oh, yeah. Definitely. After doing the camera, you feel it. Did you and I collaborate before the service? or? Nope. Okay, it's the first time we're talking about the chair, right? All right, see, I'm being honest. Okay, thank you, Edgar. In fact, after service, I want everybody, if you want, to come and sit in this chair. We'll put it down here. So here's what I want to do. I, I, I want to take a pledge for these chairs. Can we do that this morning? I want to, I, I want to, I want to raise some money. We've already put some money down on it, and, and, but we need the help of our church. Now, here's what I, this is what I believe. I believe you can buy yourself a chair and somebody else a chair. If you're a family, you could buy a chair for everybody in your family. If you're by yourself or you and your wife, you could come and say, hey, me and my wife, will buy this chair, and we'll buy a chair for a visitor. Is that all right? And so if we could do that, I have somebody already here. Why don't we put that scripture up, Second Chronicles chapter 29. I don't know if, you, if they can put it up there or not. Is it up there? Second uh, Chronicles or First Chronicles 29. Is it up there? Maybe they can bring it up. And here, here's the scripture in First Chronicles chapter 29. It says this. It says when they uh, raised money for the house of God, the Bible said that David pledged money. And after he pledged that money, that the families, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains of the army, all put their money in, and they counted it. They counted it in front of everybody right there and then so that they knew how much money came in at that moment. So today, I want to make sure that we can raise this enough money this morning that we can cover that cost. Again, if you're a visitor here, I don't do this. I don't raise 30000 every Sunday, okay? But, but you're here. It's the new year. I figured, you know, it's the new year. We need some new chairs. Is that all right? We need some new chairs. And, and I'm, I'm just so grateful that these churches, they're looking forward to it. Uh, they've called me five times already. These churches, this and nada. Are you going to give us the chair? We, we're going to have a truck there. And I said, yes, I'll, well, I'm donating all the chairs to you. Yeah, and they're excited about it. But I need, I need to replace them with these new chairs. And I need your help. Okay? So uh, I already have somebody told me I'll give $1,000 toward the chairs. So is there anybody here, just real quick, a quick show of hands, said, Ben, I, I can give $1,000 toward the church. Just raise your hand. Is there anybody here to say, I'll do that. I'll, I'll give $1,000 toward the chair. If you could do that, just raise your hand. Right there, one. Anybody else? Two. Who else? Who else? Just keep count of this. Anybody else? All right. How about, how about $500? You say, man, I can give $500. All right, let's see. Let's, let's, let's count that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Anybody else? Eight. Who else? Nine. All right. Anybody else? Anybody else? Ten. Anybody else? Say, I'll give that. All right. We got ten already. Okay. How, how about 200? We're just trying to get 200. Just keep your hands up. 
over here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Okay, that's 200. How about 100? You say, I can, I can give $100 toward it. Just raise your hand. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Let's see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best here. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. I, I think that's it. That, all right, that's it. Come on, give God, give God some praise, okay? And then whatever, whatever you can give, whatever you can give, we want you to give toward. Now, some of you may be shy about raising your hand or you said, yeah, I, don't, I didn't want to raise, or you want to give more beyond $1,000, that'll be a blessing. Just let us know. There, oftentimes, we get people that say, I'm going to give beyond that, Pastor, and this is what we wanted. I didn't want to raise my hand. That's okay. If you didn't want to raise your hand, we're good with that. Now, we do have a fund in there. It's for chairs. It says chairs. Is that correct? We created a fund in, in the church app. Uh, or you can zell. When you zell it, you just put chairs on there, and that will really help us. Uh, we're going to take a pledge in the second service, and I think by the second service, we're going to cover it. How many believe that? I believe it's going to be done. I felt like we needed to do this because, again, 30 grand, you know, I remember I looked at the invoices, almost 11,000, the first one that we bought when we bought the 200, and I'm going, $30,000, hallelujah. But I said, I got to think outside the box. I said, I think outside the box. I think if our church sees it, recognizes it, they'll help us, and so I appreciate it. Uh, some of our pastors, we haven't even pledged yet. I haven't even pledged yet, so, hey, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pledge in the next service. Is that all right? So that's, that's, come on, give God praise for that. Here's the R. We're going to move on here. We're not going to have the ushers go around yet. You can give afterwards if you want, any way you want. If you want to give uh, any of the uh, apps and all that, we'll probably put it at the end of the service, I think, and we'll put all the options that you can give. So the R, are you ready for the R? We want to refocus, say refocus. So if you want to change your life, you got to change the way that you think. And this is what many times what keeps us locked into things if we're not changing the way we think. We're not refocusing. Here's Ephesians 4.23 says, Be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental attitude and a fresh spiritual attitude. So in other words, you've got to change the way you think. So frankly, can I be honest? Some of our attitude sucks, am I right? It's not a good attitude. And our attitude and our thoughts, we need to change it. How do we change it? By getting more of God's word in your life. Here's what the Bible says, Psalm chapter 1. It says, happy are those who are always meditating on God's word. They're like trees along the river that do not dry up. They succeed in everything uh, they do. So here's what I want you to think about. Everything that you think about is not necessarily good. Just because you thought it doesn't mean it's a good thought. Am I right? We said, well, I thought about this. Well, you, you're, you got stinking thinking sometimes. It's not, sometimes you have to challenge your thoughts. It just says, is that really true? Yeah, you just thought that up. Is that really true? Here's what I was talking to some of the pastors the other day. You can almost put a narrative to anything. 
You can put a narrative to anything. You can come to church and go, all they want is their money. See, pastor raised 30000 That's all he wants. <laughs> Believe me, it's not about money. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be pastoring if it was about money. I'd be doing something else with my life. But I, I'm here to serve. I'm here to preach the gospel. Yeah, we need money, but it's not about that. But you can almost put a narrative to anything that you want. Oh, I know why they have that person doing that. Because, you know, that's one of their favorites. That's the pastor's son. That's why, that's why he's the youth pastor. That's the pastor's son. See, you see how I'm saying? We can put a narrative to anything. And so we have to challenge our way of thinking. Is it necessarily true? Is that the way it really is? Or are we letting our thoughts and our emotions take over? We need God to change the way we think. Somebody say amen. Proverbs 4.23 says, be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Everything that you think will begin to flow out of your life and it will shape your mind. And here's the last one, T. And, 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 and start means to trust God. And I love the scripture. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Hallelujah. Sometimes you can't see and understand all that God's doing in your life, but you got to trust God. You got to trust God. You got to be in a place where you say, you know what? I don't understand it all. I don't get it all, but I'm still going to trust God. I may not have everything I want. Everything may not be working the way I want it to work out, but I'm going to trust God. How many will trust God this year? I'm going to trust God with my life. I'm going to trust God with my family. I'm going to trust God with my marriage. I'm going to trust God in everything that I do. I'm going to do my best to trust God. And here's this story right here in Jeremiah. And I'm going to close with this. Jeremiah chapter 18 says, When the clay pot that the potter was forming on the wheel didn't turn out the way he intended it, he simply started over using the same clay to make a new pot. Now, in that story, the Bible says that Jeremiah, God told them, go to the potter's house. And see what he's doing. The Bible says that he was watching the potter as he was making this beautiful pottery. And he noticed three things. The first thing he noticed is that what the potter was making was not what he intended it to be made. But instead of throwing it away, he just started over again. But here's what the potter did. The third thing he did is he didn't throw away the clay. He used the same clay that he was working with. And Jeremiah says this. Then God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, can I not do the same with you as the potter does? Just as the potter works to clay in his hand, so you are in my hand, and I am working on you. So God says, you're the clay, and I'm the potter. And friend, if you'll trust God... He'll do what he wants to do through your life, in your life, with all of the issues, all the problems, all the failures, all your experience. God is the potter and we're the clay. How many thank God? He's doing something new in your life today. So I want us to pray. Why don't you bow your head in reverence to God? I feel the presence of the Lord here today. 
Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.